Um, hi, friends. Welcome to episode eight of Hashtags and Hangups. What a week. Um, if you follow me on social, you know that this week's episode might be a little uncomfortable. Um, but I'm having a much needed conversation with my friend Becky about racism in America, the killing of George Floyd, and the protests currently taking place throughout the country. So, hi, Becky. Hi, Sheree. <laughs> Um, so Becky and I have been friends for about eight years now. She is a wife to an awesome husband, the mother of three adorable children, a successful Arbonne consultant, and Becky is white. And I have to be honest that making that point, um, it, it feels odd, but I think it's an important identifier for the purposes of this conversation. Um, and Becky, like a lot of us, was very saddened to see George Floyd be murdered by the Minneapolis Police Department. So re she reached out to me and we shared a really honest moment about the unfortunate state of our country. So we wanted to continue that conversation with all of you. Um, Becky, I guess first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for reaching out um, to me last week. And I guess I want to start by just having you share a little bit about what made you do that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like any human that saw that video or, I mean, anybody that has a heart at all, um, that was so horrific that you can't, like... I feel like you can't not do something with it. You can't not sit in the emotion of it. And to know that I, um, like I don't think that I've engaged in this like systemic racism that's clearly there very much with, um, you know, with my, black friends or just friends in general, even though I've, you know, read books in the past or obviously studied history and I know, um, but seeing that after just more recently time and time again of this happening is just like, I couldn't not say something. Um, and I saw you had posted and the, the beautiful artwork, um, and I just felt like I had to say something, like I had to talk to you and just kind of almost just ask like, and again, I, not to put it on you to tell me how to respond, but just to see like how you're feeling and as a white friend, like what I could start to do or how I could start to make actions that would add to some change. Yeah. Um. And I have to say that it is so appreciative be, or appreciated, I'm sorry, um, because as I shared with you um, before this conversation started, we were kind of chatting before and I said that there are so many people who just aren't saying anything, um, which is pretty mind boggling, I think on a lot of different reasons, but um, for a lot of different reasons rather. But especially now, because if you turn on your television or if you open up social media, it's all over. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So it's, you can't ignore it. Um, and so when you don't say anything, um, it kind of makes me feel as though either you, you don't care or maybe you don't know what to say, but I would almost rather someone just say, I'm not sure what to say than to say nothing at all. Right. Um, and I've come across a few people who said, you know, the silence is deafening. Um, and we, we hear it. Um, and so again, knowing that you cared enough to not only reach out, but to also figure out what can I do, um, means a lot. So I want to definitely say that. Um, and I know that this is an uncomfortable conversation because I think especially living here in California, Um, I've heard probably more times living here in these last eight years than I probably had the 28 years prior of a lot of people saying, I don't see color. Um, And that's not a, I'm not judging anyone who says that. I think it's, has a lot to do with just the way life happens here in California. it's easy to say that, but I grew up in Atlanta. So race is big in Georgia. Um, you know, I grew up in Stone Mountain where every summer we would go to the laser show, which was a fun place. Um, we would go to Stone Mountain Park and they would project over the granite rock a really cool laser show. And towards the end, they would reenact um the end of the civil war and how general robert e lee was taken down and then they kind of shared this moment of how the north won the civil war but in etched in the granite of stone mountain park are confederate soldiers and i think growing up i didn't think a whole lot about that But thinking of it now as a 36-year-old adult, I'm like, well, damn. (laughs) That's what we're having to um, endure. And I haven't been to a laser show in years, so I don't know if they're still doing it or if they changed it or what it is. But um, anyway, doing that every summer and having people, family would come in and that's what we would do. We'd always go to Stone Mountain Park and we'd show them that. Um, so race was something that we are, we are, uh, as black, as black Americans, very much aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and when listing identifiers for myself, um, black and woman are probably going to be my top two. Um, and then I might list some other things. I'll tell you that I'm an aunt and I'm a, a want to be an entrepreneur and I want, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, I think a lot of times white Americans might get through maybe five other identifiers before they say white or they may not even say it at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely want to just say that when I hear that, that when I hear someone tell me 
while I don't see color, I think that's an important pause for us to take. Um, because, again, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but because I think that shows privilege. Because there's a privilege that you have to where you can, you can ignore it. But I don't share in that. Um, so can I ask you honestly, have you ever found yourself saying like, I don't see color? No, I, I don't think I've ever actually said that, but I think that that's, that was almost like taught as that is the appropriate way like, I would say that that was definitely, like, ingrained almost in school. Like, okay, this is how you can say it in a way that makes you, like, you know, be politically correct or whatever it is, you know, like that by saying you don't see color, it's like everyone, we, we think everyone's equal. And it's almost like, so I think that that's honestly something that has to be relearned for so many people to where they think that that is actually a good thing, you know? Yeah. When in reality, like you said, race is, race is very much a thing. Like, even if it's, you know, people say it's like a social construct, like, it's a thing. Like, it is what leads and guides, like you're saying, you can't describe yourself without going a couple, you know, spots without, you know, saying that you're a black woman, like those would be your top. And yeah, I would not probably ever say that in my top or at all, because you're right. I haven't had to think about that in every decision that I make and how that's affecting my decisions. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about that. Like I never thought that that's something that's taught from very early on. And, and I recognize again that it, there's not a lot of mal, there's not malice behind the idea that someone says, well, when I look at you, Sheree, I don't see you as black. I just see you as a person. And I understand it. But again, I think there to, to look at me and not see that I'm black is almost like not recognizing that I have a different perspective and a different experience living in this country. So I think we have to be okay with celebrating differences and acknowledging differences um, because it's not a bad thing. It's not, I'm not sad that I'm black um, and I wouldn't want anyone else to be um, but it's a fact, I mean, and it is a part of who I am, um, just as someone might identify from a religious perspective, like right. I am a Christian and it's a part of your identity. Um, I think though, one of the other reasons why we have to be honest with ourselves and, and not fall into... I don't see color too is that's is 
it's, it's actually when you say it out loud, it's kind of like, that doesn't actually make sense. Like, you, are you blind? Like, a blind person 100% can say, hey, I don't see color. You don't see a whole lot of other things too. But like, it, at its surface, when we stop and think about it, it's like, that actually doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So let's, right. let's acknowledge it that, um, that and, I am, yeah. Like, right, and you're discounting like an entire like it's it's just yeah yeah that would be like you know if well I guess it doesn't with a gender thing right now I can't really say much right yes but but, but yes the yeah. same thing it is right. it, it is definitely for for the same exact reason the same spirit behind it we can't we can't ignore it so I think let's not that, not that we have the authority, but let's give our friends the permission to say, but you can, you do see color and it's okay. Like, mm -hmm. let's acknowledge it. Right. Um, so let's also talk about, um, you, you mentioned s systemic racism and institutional racism. Um, and I remember, um, and it, this, this particular um, social experiment is coming up a lot in social media currently and it is you may have seen it um and i'm sorry I, I should have sent it to you just to confirm but there is a video that's going around of a coach um and i don't know what part of the country the coach is in but he has all of the students line up mm -hmm. outside are you familiar with what talking about? Mm -hmm. yeah um cool so just to reiterate for the people who are listening the coach lines everyone up and um, the purpose of it is to say, if you don't understand white privilege, watch this video. And so the coach kind of goes through a series of things and um, allows people to move forward if they can relate to it or this is true of them. And he says things like, you come from a two-parent household and um, you never had to worry about where your next meal was coming from. Um, just kind of basic things. And what we end up seeing is the majority of the white kids become like I'm I don't I'm gonna exaggerate here but the the point is like they represent so far ahead of the black kids or and minority kids in general I will say um and then they say okay now complete the race and so I guess my next thought there um, Becky is, so we talk, it's in a similar vein, um, a lot of people, because we don't have these conversations very frequently, mm -hmm. and because we've experienced the Black president, will say, well, we've made it. Racism no longer exists. What's, what's, what are you talking about? Um, what is it, what is your, I guess, your thought regarding keeping in mind the, how far ahead the rest of the country may be? Um, oh, and then and not only have we had a Black president, but we've got Black billionaires now, you know, we've got Oprah and Jay-Z and Beyonce are doing their thing, and, you know, um, haven't we made it already? Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about your thoughts regarding that mind frame so i think that one thing that people or have a hard time distinguishing is like that 
racism, like overt individual racists, like they are going to exist regardless. Like they're not the majority making the decisions like either way, extremes are happening on either side. Right. But the problem is in the middle where we just assume that if you're not extreme, right, then you're not contributing to racism in any way because, well, I'm kind person and I'm nice to my black friends or black people or whatever it is. But I think that the missing piece is that you're taking yourself like completely out of this society we've been raised in and there's so many underlying um, things that are just we can't call out because it's so a part of how we were raised that we can't even see the privilege that we've been given so often and so I think that and, and then particularly like you were saying in places like Southern California which is where I was raised um, you aren't seeing necessarily this crazy overt racism in your face. Mm -hmm. So you assume it's just not happening because it's not happening to you because of course you're white. It's not going to happen to me. And so I think that's even worse. Like I was saying before we started this, that there's like this insidiousness to it um, that when you can't pinpoint it, you just assume it's not there. And then also kind of to your point earlier about, um, you know, like almost being afraid to, to talk about race because you don't want to have someone be like, oh, pulling the race card again. It's like, we have to, I have to, as a white person, we have to acknowledge that like your experience is valid, like regardless of how we feel, like your experience is valid just as much as my experience is valid. And for you, race is a part of that. And that should be acknowledged and not just like brushed aside. Like, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal, you know? And I think there's it's like a defensive, like always on the defensive. If you're kind, then all of a sudden, like my character is under attack if, if I'm being called out, you know, for not standing up for this or whatever mm -hmm. I don't know does that answer what you're no asking? it does um that was that makes total sense um and you you mentioned something that I think we also need to address and that's the the defensive part right and it's um just because I'm bringing it up doesn't mean that I'm questioning your character um and that I, I think you're, I'm, that I'm calling someone a racist, like, cause that's, you know, that's kind of a loaded word, you know? Um, and a lot of times to your point, if it's not overt and you're not calling someone the N word and you're not putting a hood on your head and burning crosses in someone's yard, then can't be a racist. Um, and so that's what that's how we identify right like that's what a racist is i'm not doing that um but maybe the words we need to start start saying more frequently is you've got some biases and some yeah. prejudices um that maybe you're not aware are showing at some point 
Um, and I remember last, this past January, my oldest nephew came um, and stayed with me. He was an intern for our department. And we had sent him to the store, to Costco, to get some stuff for us. We were getting ready for a big event. And he calls me, he's like, sissy, they won't let me in. Now, granted, before he went, um, he was using someone else's Costco card and he had a corporate card to pay for it. And I remember telling him, I said, well, they, the only problem you might have is when it's time to pay because it, it's not your card, but it's a corporate card. So you, I'm thinking you're going to be okay. So at no point did I think he would have problems actually getting into the store. And so, sorry, I'm just going to reiterate that this literally just happened in January of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so I, he calls me and again, he's saying, sissy, they won't let me in. And I said, what do you mean they won't let you in? And so he said, I said, all you had to do was show the card and walk in the Costco. Like it's, it's Costco. This isn't, no one's asking for ID when you're going into Costco as a store. And so he says, yeah, well, they, they asked to see the card and I showed it to them. They saw it wasn't mine. And they said, I can't get in. I said, but it's a, it's a business card. And I remember having this conversation with someone else who was also white and their response was, but I don't think they were being racist. And I had to take a second. And again, I know it wasn't, she, she wasn't intending to be dismissive, but I had to say, yes, they were. They looked at my nephew who probably had on a hoodie and a beanie and some nice sneakers and maybe his pants weren't super fitted and maybe they weren't right at his waist. Um, And they decided because he had this business Costco card that didn't have his picture on it, he wasn't supposed to be there. And again, it's 2020. And in addition to that incident, we're also now watching cities burn because people are tired. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I'm not, I don't judge her for thinking that, but I think again, that was her privilege of saying, let me give these people the benefit of the doubt. Why, why would, they were just being careful. How many times have you ever gone into Costco and had to literally give someone your whole card? Never. And they look at the picture and confirm that it's you. Yeah, never. It's not a thing. Um, and again, I, I sent him there thinking no big deal because it's Costco and I've experienced the same thing. Like I've never had anyone triple check a member ID, even for myself as, as a black woman, like I was very confident in knowing that he'd be able to go. But again, I was even reminded, I was like, well, damn, he's, well, that's what happened. So again, he had to come back and he came back empty handed because I mean, I even had to, he, they said, they sent him to member services and he calls me and the guy from member services in the, is in the background. I'm like, can see him tell them 
that you're an intern for this company and you're here to do X, Y, and Z. And the guy, you know, the guy told them, we'll let you in this time, but the next time we're not going to be able to do it. And long story short, he ended up not being able to purchase the stuff anyway because of the type of credit card that was available, which I had completely forgotten. But that, at a bare minimum, should have been his only hurdle, was not having the right form of payment, not being denied entry into the store because his ID didn't match. And I will say that there's, it's possible that someone is listening to this and will say, yeah, but it wasn't his card. And my next thought is, how many times have you gone somewhere into a Costco or some other place to give access and it wasn't for you or it wasn't your card and you still were able to successfully complete whatever mission you were on? Um, so again, it wasn't, I don't think that there was any malicious intent in her saying, well, I don't think it was racially motivated, but I'm going to have to just remind everyone that sometimes you have to just call it out mm -hmm. and or if you don't see it yourself, you have to listen to the person that's telling you the story. And I think about parents when you if one of your one of your kids is having a hard time with something you acknowledge that they're, they're you're acknowledging their experience right if for some reason you know one of your girls is having a hard time with soccer or something and they have some type of an experience where another kid was maybe being mean um your first reaction isn't to say i don't think they were being mean Right. Because you don't want your child's feelings to not be acknowledged, right? You want to say, maybe they didn't mean to, but I'm sorry that your feelings got hurt. Right. And I think when it comes to situations of bias and prejudice, um, that's what we're looking for is acknowledgement that it, that is happening. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I mean, in any relationship or any person like we want to feel validated and heard and seen and if you're constantly being told that you're overreacting or you're reading you know into it or you're making assumptions then like that is just you're being shut down over and over and over again and like we're seeing you like there is a entire population of people that are exhausted from not being heard. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and that brings me to probably the biggest, it, how do I want to describe it? Um, I don't even know what word I want to use to describe it, but what we're seeing happening now, as you mentioned, is a community of people who are hurt and are tired. Um, and they're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. Do you see me? Acknowledge me. Um, my life matters. Mm -hmm. 
And coincidentally, today is also um, the 99th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, um, also known as um, Black Wall Street being bombed. And um, there's a good friend of mine from that I've known since elementary school um, named Dominique, who shared on Facebook today, um, reminding us that, you know, 99 years ago, the Black community in Tulsa, renowned as the, the Black Wall Street, was desecrated by terrorism. Um, and that over 150 Black businesses, over 1,200 homes were destroyed, over 300 people were killed, 800 more were injured. Um, and when I first mentioned it to you, and the truth of the matter is, um, I think if I were to mention it to a lot of, or a few other people, we don't talk about it. Um, and the reason why I think it's poignant to talk about it today is, that happened 99 years ago, and it happened simply because Black people were flourishing. And we act as if it didn't happen. But today, we sit back in judgment, looking at Black people rebelling and burning down buildings in major cities because that's not acknowledged. Um, because in February, Ahmaud Aubrey was gunned down for simply running through a neighborhood where someone thought he shouldn't be. Um, because Trayvon Martin had was walking through a neighborhood with a hoodie on and someone said he wasn't supposed to be there. I mean, for countless reasons. Um, but we sit back again in judgment because we don't agree with the way people are protesting. And I've seen, I had to take a social media break and I do frequently, but I've seen people who had absolutely nothing to say about the murder of George Floyd come out of hiding and make comments about the quote unquote rioting and looting. And I have to say, Becky, that I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say I agree with it, but I will say I understand it. Oh yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. Like there's, I have so many thoughts um, and so many feelings. I've literally cried every day since the video was released. And I don't even, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know, Becky. Like, I'm at this, I, I'm at a loss of words. Well, I think, like, again, what's really sad is, like, what you're pointing out, that that what took, you know, white people or whoever it was making the comment, non-black, to 
say something about the looting and what's happening, like it's because it's affecting their like general, it, it's disrupting their life, which to the protesters point, it's doing something, right? So again, like you said, I don't personally agree. And I think a majority of the black community doesn't personally agree with the looting or, you know, but it's absolutely understandable that if you're not heard, I mean, when I'm in an argument with my husband who hates fight, like hates yelling, and I feel like my point's not getting across, I can't help but get louder because I feel like I'm not being heard. And that's a very, very small picture, but I'm saying over, you know, years and years of like there being some form of change, but really it's just like the way that the injustice is being served looks different. Mm -hmm. It's just remodeling it over and over and over again versus anything really changing. Like I, you know, I was just telling you, like my husband and I rewatched 13th last night. And if you're a white listener, you should watch it 100% um, or everyone should, I think. But it's just so um, disturbing that this is, like you said, that was 99 years ago. Like, how are we still here? Um, and yeah, it's you can't, I, th I feel like you can't look at this and, and not understand why it's happening. Like people have tried peaceful ways, you know, like there's been peaceful protests that, oh, that's not the way you do it. Or we don't like the way you're protesting. Well, you've given people no choice, you know, and anger is going to come out of it when you're, when you're pushed to your breaking point so much when your safety is being like compromised all the time, when you can't trust people that are in positions that are supposed to be protecting you, like I, I think it's mind boggling that you, you wouldn't be able to understand why it's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there are so many people I know who do um, get it. And so many people who are um, trying really hard or not even necessarily having to try, but so many people who can empathize and who understand. I think the problem is that they're being drowned out by the ones that don't. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a Facebook friend um, who I recently, I didn't unfriend, but I did have to unfollow. And she mentioned that um, she had been disconnected. She hadn't been following what was happening, but she had turned on the news recently and she saw all the riots and the looting that was happening in Minneapolis and other countries. And she turned it off. It was just too much. Um, sorry, and I, I know I'm being very flippant in the way I'm describing it. And I think it's because it's raw, it's raw emotion and I didn't like it. But anyway, she goes on to say, I would rather be baking and listening to music. And she talks about how COVID-19 is still running rampant and, and people are gonna get sick. 
And I read that and I was angry, um, but I was also sad because I said, how do you not understand? But luckily she had a niece that commented and said, well, do you understand why it's happening? And she essentially shared everything, your exact same sentiments, Becky, that you just shared, that people are tired and they don't know what else to do. And if you wanna get Americans' attention, mess with their money. We saw it when the country shut down in response to COVID-19, people with their rifles marched in, went up to state buildings and yelled in police officers' faces. Um, and people understood that. But when Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel for the national anthem, the man still doesn't have a job. And it was a disgrace. And I remember having a conversation. I was traveling for an event. And I had a conversation with some colleagues and they brought up Kaepernick. And whether or not, the question was posed, whether or not we felt it was okay, or how we felt about him, I guess, in general. And the whole situation and him, you know, not being able to play and being dismissed from the 49ers. And um, one person goes on to say, well, I feel like he should have kept it separate. Should have used, it didn't need to happen at the game. He should have done it outside of the game. Should have found another way to do it. And I listened to what everyone said. And then um, they kind of asked, you know, look to me to provide my opinion. And my thoughts were then and remain today, when else would he have done it? He didn't disrupt the game. He didn't do it in the middle of the fourth quarter. He didn't do it at halftime. He literally, he didn't hurt anyone. He literally just said, I'm not going to stand for this national anthem until the words ring true for everyone. And I went on to share with them, I said, when Dylan Roof went to South Carolina and he shot those nine church members, he was apprehended. They put a bulletproof vest on him and they took that young man to Burger King and got him food. But meanwhile, Mike Brown was accused of maybe stealing something from a convenience store. They shot him and left him lying in the ground in front of his, all of his peers. His neighbors had to watch this young man lay there for hours as they conducted an investigation and they never covered him. We see George Zimmerman who got off for killing Trayvon Martin sign and sell Skittles on the internet. But we're supposed to be okay. And we're not going to understand why Kaepernick is kneeling. I'm calling BS. Mm -hmm. 
you do understand, but it's uncomfortable, so you don't want to acknowledge it. To acknowledge it means that there really is a problem in this country. But Becky, I'm also reminded that, of course, there's a problem because, let's be honest, we were never considered citizens when this system was built. It wasn't built for us. Mm-hmm. So let's be reminded that it wasn't until 1965 that the voting, the voters' right bill was signed into, into law. 1965. Before that, Black people, oh, you can't read, so I'm going to just tell you that you're, you came at the wrong time. Nope, nope, you can't vote. So we're working within a system. You want us to work within a system? You want us to work um, or to trust a system that was never built for us? How do we do that? How do we trust it? And then not only... Was it not built with us in mind, but you want us, we're seeing on a regular basis that it doesn't work for us anyway. So how, I mean, what is the solution there for the people that feel like we shouldn't do or say anything? What, what is, what's your alternative? Like, what are you offering me when I'm seeing again, over and over again, that it's, it doesn't work for us. Yeah. And I mean, again, like just having fresh in my mind watched that movie all about, you know, the premise of the title 13th about the 13th amendment and how it was essentially created to have this loophole that would continue to keep black people down and to use them for their economic gain. Like the whole economy of the United States is built off of that. And when it talks about like, you know, it's not that we have a broken system. The system was set up to do this. So it's not, the system isn't broken. It was just created and designed in a way to have this be the result, which is just disturbing. Yeah, it is. Um, and I had another, another colleague reach out, um, and I want to acknowledge it. She reached out and, you know, she said, um, that she was saddened to see everything that was happening and wanted to send love my way and that the world needs more love. And I acknowledged that and I received it. And I, and I told her, thank you. But I had to also remind her that, yes, the world needs more love, but we need change. Um, and until we acknowledge that there is a problem, mm-hmm. we can't get it. And I think looting aside and rioting aside, um, what I will say is that Nordstrom is going to be all right. um target will will rebuild um i saw that they were you know tearing up stores and on rodale drive again it will before the year is over they'll be up and running and won't miss a beat um and i don't say that 
to condone it. I say it to say it's such a minor infraction in this huge web of unequality that I honestly don't care that much. Um, I wanna just remind us that it's so much bigger than what we're talking about amongst friend groups right now, which is, can you believe they're doing it? I would just encourage us to actually, cause that's the easy conversation, right? The easy conversation is to say, I can't believe they're tearing things up and that's not gonna solve anything. Well, and to that point too, you have to acknowledge that <laughs> a bunch of them are just white people that are just in on the mix. Like, so again, it is happening because people are angry, but then on top of it, it's being amplified by people that just like to cause stir the pot too. So it's not just, you know, yeah, we're not like out of the picture. It's right. still, yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Um, but I would encourage us all to continue to have these conversations um, and not just, oh, one of the, I remember one of the things I shared with you was um, black people didn't create racism and we can't end it. And I mean, like, I believe that in, with every fiber of my being because Becky, I was just born. Like, that's it. I, <laughs> and here I am, like, I can't change it. I am who I am and it's a part of my makeup mm -hmm. any more than someone with any type of mental, I don't, I, I don't want to compare it because it's not a disability, but so I, I want to be careful in saying that, but any, I, I can't control my race any more than someone who, um, has autism can control their experience like it just is that's the way it happened so i i will use that analogy because i think people that's a little bit easier or more comfortable for someone to understand that no one would expect a child with autism or asperger's in particular and i'm i'm thinking of that because i'm currently watching a show where there's a child who has Asperger's who a lot of the times, I guess I'm watching and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated by why this child can't get it and he can't show empathy and he ha he's having a hard time expressing feelings. But I think no one would expect or blame him or expect him to solve other people's acceptance of his reality. That's easy, right? People will say, well, you can't blame him. He was just born that way. Well, I'll be daggone. So was I. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, again, it's important to have these conversations with your grandmom who maybe makes sly comments about people when she's out and about, or your grandfather who um, has a couple of racist jokes that he only tells amongst close friends um, or a friend who has an opinion about, you know, a, a, an angry black 
person that she works with. I, I think we have to, we have to talk about it and we have to call them out. I, it's my hope that holidays this year are a little bit more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if we don't acknowledge it, we can't change it. Right. And I think, um, again, like if, if there were a silver lining in all of it, which is hard to say in the midst right now, but I think that almost like, I don't know if it's because we were in the middle of a pandemic and people are home and maybe are, have time to pause and think about things more or because it was so graphic that you can't turn away. But I do feel that more people than have ever in my circle are asking questions and are starting to talk about it. So that is encouraging. I will say when I went on Amazon to try to buy a bunch of books, everything sold out. So that means people are, are looking to learn more, which I think is really good. But um, I agree that, like you're saying, like you can't change that. It has to come, like we have to change it on our end. We have to change the deep-seated, just the little things that we don't, like we have to unpack that, right, for ourselves so that we can call it out when we see it so that we can train our kids to, to be able to call it out. Um, and yeah, because that's exhausting for you to have to have those conversations all the time if, if it's not happening on our end. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, um, for acknowledging and for being willing to have the conversations. Um, and for showing empathy, Becky, it's, it's so important these days. Um, and it doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you. I can't say that enough because it's going to be your voice and voices like yours that are going to help propel us um, into an era where hopefully these conversations are happening less less frequently, excuse me, not because um, they're uncomfortable, but because there's been some change and it's not happening as frequently. I have, um, you know, some six-year-old nieces. When they're 36, I don't want them to be having to have this conversation with their friends. No. And it's crazy because I was talking to a friend's mom. Um, well, or I was talking to a friend and her mom was in the background and she was talking about how she has to have a conversation with her 11 year old son um, about what's going on and about race and what he has to in, or be prepared for if he's ever you know, approached or experiences racism or is approached by a police officer. And I thought to myself, there's no way your mom at 71 who experienced all of this thought that her grandson would have to be experiencing the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's also important to acknowledge that yes, we've come a long way, but we can't be so naive to think that there's still not a long way to go. Right. And I think like, if like, if you are a parent, if you just take a second to like, I mean, I posted something in my Instagram um, on my story today. It's just a little video. I, you might have posted it in yours of just parents talking to their kids, um, their black kids about how to respond. And like, again, that's something that with white privilege, I will never have to do. And my kids are half Filipino. They're mixed, but they're not black. Like I will never have to have, yeah, I went on the, that run for Ahmad that Friday for his birthday and like halfway through, I was just thinking about his mom and I couldn't stop crying. And I'm like, you can't not hear these stories. I don't understand how you can hear these stories and not hurt mm -hmm. like, um, and see it as a problem. So you have to have, we have to have these conversations. Like we have to. Agreed. Oh, Becky. Well, thank you again, friend. Um, I love you and I appreciate you taking some time to share your thoughts with me today. Um, and for those of you who are listening, I hope that our conversation inspires you to have conversations with other friends and to take a minute to try and understand and not judge everything that's happening. Um, because once we look at it, from a place of understanding so much more progress will happen. So, um, can I also just say that, um, like we have to be okay that it's not, it, it's going to be, we're going to screw up, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to be okay that we might say things that we'll get called out on and then we have to rethink. Well, oh wow. That is a problem too. Like we have to be, okay that it's not going to be perfect and just because it's not going to be perfect doesn't mean we shouldn't do it like it yeah so it's not going to be in like you said it's going to take a long time and that's going to be a lot of fumbling through awkwardness until hopefully it gets to a point where it's practiced enough that it's not uncomfortable at least in the same way it is now Definitely. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Cause yeah, it, we are going to screw, we are definitely going to screw it up. Um, and I think we too, our job um, as black Americans too, especially black Americans in the corporate world is to continue to say something. I think a lot of times we get caught up in this idea where there's fear, right? There's fear that if we say something, it'll be misconstrued or we'll, we'll um, perhaps stifle our, our opportunities for growth, um, we'll offend someone, they won't hear us, 
Um, and we, we just have to let that go. I think at this point, it's all of our responsibilities to say something so that we can see some change. Because if it's not acknowledged, it's never gonna happen, so. I agree. I love you so much, friend. Uh, I love you too, Becky. Thank you again um, for, for joining me and having this conversation. Um, for those of you listening, we'd love to hear from you as well to keep the conversation going. So um, feel free to comment on Instagram or Facebook, hashtags and hangups, and let us know your thoughts and <laughs> share resources on um, how to have conversations with friends, how to have conversations with kids, um, just resources on what we should be reading at this point how we can help um, so that we can be a part of the, the solution. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you again, Becky, for being here and um, chat with you guys next week. <laughs>